We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 today on this Mother's Day. We're going to step out of uh, the things that we've been studying in the words of Jesus, and we're going to go to something that that you might find very strange, and I hope this makes sense because it makes sense in my head. So we're going to go to Ephesians 4, and you can let me know afterwards if it made any sense or not. Um, But we're going to look at something in Ephesians 4 that I think has some words for us in the role of parenting. So uh, a few years back, it's probably almost 10 years ago now, uh, Dan and I went uh, on a little getaway. We went down to Miami. Uh, We went down there because it was cold up here and we wanted to get someplace warm uh, and it was cheap down there. So we just needed to get away and we needed to spend some time together. So we got away. Uh, And one of the things that we did during that week, it was very unusual for us because we didn't have an agenda for the days. Now, sometimes you go on vacation, you've got like, man, 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 I got to do this and this and this, right? There are some vacations, I know some of you don't think this is possible, but there are some vacations where you can go without an agenda and you can just do whatever, right? So one of the things we wound up doing on that vacation was we would walk down the beach and we... We just walked. We just walked and talked. And, and it wound up being every single day for about two hours plus, we were walking down and then we, you know, turn around and walk back and just you know, looking at the buildings and the, the water and what, just talking about life and us and whatever and just wandering. And wandering can be a whole lot of fun. You don't actually get anything accomplished with wandering. You know, like my walking did not, accom- I didn't get somewhere. I wound up back at the same place I started. You know, I was glad that I did because I needed to find my hotel room to sleep for the night. So wandering is, is a nice thing. Um, I wouldn't suggest it as a strategy for life. If some of you think that wandering around to the next adventure is the way to live life, you're going to find that life is a little bit difficult, right? In general, you kind of want to know where you're going. Overall in your life, you kind of want to know where you're going. We were down in Atlanta this past week, and I've never been to Atlanta. I, I mean, we've gone through it before, but I've never stayed in Atlanta. So when we wanted to go out to eat or we wanted to find the place we were going to for the conference or whatever, I would pull up a map and I would try to orient myself of like, where do I want to get? I didn't just get in my car and like start driving. And like, I know that driving is going to get me there because if I didn't know where I was going, chances are I'm not going to get there, Right. And so I made sure that I like pulled out a map and looked at, should I start by going left out of the parking lot or right out of the parking lot? And I didn't want to waste time. I wanted to make sure that I got there. And I think that idea of knowing where you're going and making sure that you know how to get there is a really helpful idea in parenting. So bear with me this morning and take whatever you can from this. I'll I'll describe what I'm going to do here, but let me just start with this. How many of you, and you can raise your hand if you want, if, if you feel real you know, frisky and you want to respond, if, or, or you just want to respond because you're polite and you want to encourage me that you're listening. Um, how many of you, whether you are right now or no matter what phase of parenting you are, whether, whether you want to be one day or whatever, how many of you would like to be someday or right now or whatever, a good parent? How many of you would like to be a good parent? All right, most of us would like to be a good parent. All right, so if the rest of you are like, I would like to be a lousy parent, then, you know, God bless you, and hopefully that works out for you. But uh, let me ask you this. How many of you would like to be a grown-up? How many of you would like to be a grown-up? Yeah. Uh-uh, no. Yeah. Terrifying, right? Yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying. Here's the reality. No matter what phase of life people are in, Nobody aspires to be a terrible parent. <laughs> if you haven't had children yet and you're looking forward to someday, maybe you're still in elementary school, you're growing, you're like, man, you're thinking right now, when I grow up, when I'm a mom or when I'm a dad, I'm never going to do that because that is terrible parenting right there. 
Or I'm going to make sure I always do this. Because that's the way we, we aspire to be good parents. And even if that isn't the role for you, even if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, parenting's just not my thing. It's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you right now, you're around people who are trying to figure out how to do a good job for their kids. And so we, what we talk about this morning might not apply directly to you, but it might be something that you could pass on. But let me ask you, everybody wants to be a good parent. How are we doing? I'm, I mean, use your eyes, look around at, at life, you know, not, not like physically right now, but like in the world and in culture right now. How are we doing as parents? How are we doing at raising children, at making sure that they are what they need to be, grown up and ready to go? And I'm not talking about if you're in the midst of like you've got a bunch of toddlers at home or you've got teenagers at home and you're like, I'm doing a terrible job. I'm not really asking you to look at your own life because sometimes that can be a really discouraging exercise and it really doesn't always tell you the whole picture. You might be in a season of life where some things are getting sorted out and it just feels like everything's falling apart all the time. And I'm not saying, man, be hard on yourself today. That's not what this is. I want to offer you hope, and I want to offer you maybe a little bit of a roadmap for how to, to know that you're on the right path. But as a, as a whole, as a society, as a nation, even just as a church, how are we doing at raising kids? How are we doing at being good parents? I think that we could agree that there's something missing in our culture, in our parenting, in our raising of kids. And you might even think, that there are some dark forces aligned against the family and parenting. And you would be right. If you were here for our marriage conference, you know I believe that with all of my soul, that strategically homes, marriages, parenting is under attack because of the potential that is there, the opportunity that God has given us in homes. But no matter what, I want to say this. I have great news. Great parenting is possible for every single parent there is. I know that as your kids interact with this world, it can feel like doom and gloom. It can feel overwhelming. Like there are forces all around and they're just so relentless, it's going to be inevitable that my kids are going to fall. But every parent, by the grace of God, has been given two very powerful tools. One, and please do not underestimate this. No matter if your teen is acting like they could care less what you say or hates you or whatever, listen. Every parent has the unbelievable, tremendous home field advantage. You are mom and dad, and no one else will ever be. And that matters more than you can possibly imagine. Your opinion, your words carry weight. What you do with that home field advantage is up to you. But it's imprinted in the heart of every kid. This is mom. This is dad. What do they think? What do they think of me? What do they think of what I'm doing? What do they think is right? What do they show me as normal? And secondly, you have historically a pattern that has been followed and that we're going to look at today that is shown to be successful and even God's design in parenting. So as we talk about parenting, we could certainly go back to to the Proverbs and, and Solomon as King Solomon writes, train up a child in the way they should go and don't withhold discipline from them and many other bits of wisdom. We could go to all that. But where I want to go is to this passage in Ephesians 4. Because in Ephesians 4, what I see as I read this is that just like any journey, your journey in parenting, knowing your destination really helps. So... What is your destination in parenting? 
Where are you trying to go? What's the, the, the finish line, the final result? What's the place you want to be? What do you want for your kids? The answer that you have to that question, what do you want for your kids, directs every decision you make from the time they are born. What do you want for your kids? Doesn't that? It defines everything that you do as a parent. It defines how you judge your parenting. Did you do a good job today or a bad job today? Well, what do I want for my kids? And do I see them getting that? Do you want them to know that they are loved? That just defines everything. Do you want them to feel secure and that's how you parent? Do you want them to be safe and that's how you parent? You want to make sure that they succeed? That's how you parent? I think the answer that we find and the one that we've, Dan and I have tried to follow is pretty simple and it includes some of those things, but it's not defined by those things. It's a bigger picture than that. So in Ephesians 4, now I know if you're a Bible scholar, this is not the proper interpretation of this passage, all right? I'm going to give you some of the proper interpretation of this passage, but then I want to kind of like connect it to this idea of parenting because what Paul does here as, he, as he's teaching is he kind of uses the picture of raising children, parenting, to describe what should be happening in the church. So I'm going to talk about it in terms of parenting. Now, if you're like tuning out. I'm not a parent. I don't want to be a parent. I don't care about this. Or I'm a lousy parent. It's hopeless for me or whatever. Then you can apply this to all kinds of things. Paul applied it to the church. This is how you could apply it to a new business venture. You could apply it to all kinds of different things in your life if you want to. Okay. So there's all kinds of places that you can put this. If you're a kid here today, I'm going to talk about how you can apply this to your life. Okay. But Paul looks at this idea in, in Ephesians 4 about growing People in church from new believers to fully formed believers. And he compares it to helpless, vulnerable infants growing into fully functional adults. And so I think that that picture can teach us something about healthy homes. So start with me at verse 14. And so here's what Paul says at verse 14. And it comes off of a a discussion here where he's talking about this is why God gave the church to be be built like this. But he comes down in verse 14. He says, then we, meaning the church, the people in the church, will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. All right, so right before this, like I said, Paul's been talking about the church and how God set the church up to function and to powerfully work together. And Paul is saying that if we miss this, if we miss this idea and the church doesn't have this happening, if we are not collectively functioning, grown up as as a church, mature as believers, then what's at stake? The church falls, and therefore the cause of Christ falls. Paul says there are high stakes here, so I want to teach you what should be happening in church, and I want to go back to what it's like to raise kids, because you all know what it's like to raise kids and to do a good job of it. All of you know that, except today I don't think we do. So I'm going to roll back and say, well, let's remind ourselves what Paul assumes we all know. And maybe off of that, we can jump back to, oh, so that's how the church should function as well. He starts off by saying, you know, you start off as an infant. When a child begins as an infant, there's a couple things that they are. What is a little infant? Think about what is a little, they're cute. I know they're cute, whatever. Take a picture of them. That's great. But what are they functionally? Okay. What are they in life? When, the, when you're a little baby, there are a couple things that Paul pulls out. The first thing he says is that they are weak 
and helpless. A baby, if you think about it, is completely dependent on their parent. He says here, you know, so that the, the believers, young infant believers, when they're infants, they can be tossed around, but, you know, back and forth by the ways. Anything that comes along is almost anything is stronger than an infant. And so no matter what comes into their life, they are helpless and they will always be overcome by it. A baby can't dress themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't, unfortunately, change their own diapers, right? They cannot get from one place to another on their own. A baby is helpless, right? So Paul says, we start off as infants. We start off helpless. So what does that mean? That means that a parent has to do for the little baby what the baby cannot do for itself. A parent has to care for that baby. Now, this I know this is groundbreaking. All of you are taking notes about this because this is groundbreaking, right? But this is where it starts. This is just a setup, okay? Follow with me. Because obviously, it can't stay here. Because that's, that's what Paul's saying. So that we will no longer be infants. We're not supposed to stay at a place where it's acted like our parents need to do for us. As infants, that's the necessity. That's the way it is. But, and many are tempted to keep acting like their kids are helpless and weak. That they can't do anything. They lack the ability to do what needs to be done. Many parents are tempted that, to think that some magical time in the future and I'll know when that is, they will suddenly be transformed from weak, helpless kids into fully functional adults. And I've seen many people very discouraged because it never comes. As a matter of fact, I know some people who are in their 50s and their 60s that still think of themselves in very infant-like terms. They are victims. And everything about life is not their fault. Everything about life is something that somebody else did to them, and there was nothing they could do about it. Do you know what that is? That's babyish. That's childlike. That's infantile. That's what that is. And where do you think they got that idea? I think our parenting today needs to have some courage. Over time, a child grows to be able to do some of those things. They grow to be able to feed themselves and dress themselves. They grow to be able to pack their own lunch. They grow to be able to do their own homework. Eventually, they grow to be able to drive their own car and even buy their own house, right? Not when they're a baby, but that's where they're going. And it doesn't happen all at once. It happens progressively. And so I would say that as we look at this idea of infants, where we start as infants, if we, will, if we decide to continue or drift into continuing to think that our kid is a baby, helpless, weak. It's very damaging to them, and it's very damaging to us. It feels like love, and sometimes the hardest things to overcome are the things that feel well-intended. It feels like caring, and it feels like love. And I bring this up on Mother's Day because, moms, you guys suffer from this disease more than anyone. You love to be needed, and that's a wonderful thing. But listen, what your kids need sometimes is for you to act like they can. To act like they're not helpless, weak infants. And they are able to do more. So that's where it starts, okay? So they start as babies being able to be tossed back and forth by the waves. And he also says, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Meaning, 
Babies are also naive and ignorant. They don't know things, right? They, they have no idea. As a, when you're born as a child, you don't have all this knowledge and whatever. And so in, in the comparison Paul makes here, he's talking about how new believers can be ripped to shreds because they don't have enough information. They don't have enough experience. They don't know for themselves. And so when your baby is little, you make choices for them. You make decisions for them because they're a baby, Right? So many dangerous things happen, and, and a baby can't tell if the person holding them is good or bad. They're just being held. They don't know. They have no idea. They are completely dependent. They have none of the necessary experience or understanding to make a judgment about what's going on in their life. And so a child, a baby, an infant starts by having their parents make all the decisions for them. Over time, That child moves from that limitation, moves on from that in a progressive way. The goal is that they will no longer be infants. So parents, think about this, how we parent an infant and what they need as a baby should be different than what they need as they grow, and it should be progressive. All right, so you're still with me? All right, so let's look at the next verse, because then this is the part where, do you want to be a grown-up? This is the part that actually everybody should want to be, right? Because being a grown-up is what the point of being alive is. If you're not a grown-up, something went wrong, right? If you're 35 and you're still, I don't want to be a grown-up, something went wrong in your life, right? I mean, at some point in our life, when our kids were little and it was scary at night and there was a thunderstorm and they would come into our bed, at some point that got weird, Right? Like, you know that right now, if, if Kara was, like, scared at night and whatever, came down and come in our bed, that would be, like, uh, what are you doing? Get out of here. That'd be weird. At some point, that gets weird. Unfortunately, we don't evaluate that progressively. We don't, we don't think about, are we doing a good thing for them? Because the point is growing up. So verse 15 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Okay, so the idea here is instead, instead of what? Instead of being infants, we should be growing up. All right, kids, this is where I'm talking to you. We should be growing up. So if you're here today, what does it mean to be growing up? So kids, what does it mean to be growing up? Are you growing up? And what would it look like for you to be doing that? as you go. If you're a teenager, you are to be growing up. What does that mean? If you're a young adult, you've graduated high school, you're going on, you are to be growing up. What does that mean? What's that look like? What's that supposed to do? Let me summarize it for you before we dig into what what, what I see here. It means this. The stuff people used to have to do for you, you can now do for yourself. Is that simple enough? The stuff people used to have to do for you because you couldn't do it, you now can do for yourself. That is Paul's definition here of growing up. When you were little, you couldn't do anything. You didn't know anything. But now you should be learning more. You should should be making your own decisions. But you should also be handling the weight of your life. The things that someone could do for you, but you could do for yourself, you are supposed to start doing them for yourself. So when your parents say, go clean your room, the question is not, 
whether you want to or not. The question is whether or not you're the one who made the mess. Because it's your room, right? So you, if you want to grow up, you've got to start carrying the weight of your life. This, I'm telling you, there is so much of this misinformation in our world today, and you can get all kinds of weary about, you know, is the government's job to fill in? Listen, if we as believers would just rise up in parenting our kids this way, we wouldn't have to worry about all that. We could be a light to the world, but we fall into it because we define it as love, as taking care of them. They are to be growing up. They are to be learning and taking on responsibility for their life. We've said it many times, and I'll say it this way. Parents, you are not raising kids. That's not the destination. You are raising adults. They are supposed to be launched from your home as an adult. And there's no, just like people, you know, I sit down with couples before they get married, and we have counseling together and everything. There is no magic pixie dust that happens at a wedding where suddenly a lousy person becomes a good person. You know what I mean? Like if you're struggling in a dating relationship, getting married does not fix that. Right? I know this is basic, but you'd be surprised at how many people think there's magic in the wedding day. There's no magic in the wedding day. There's commitment in the wedding day. You're the same person walking out as you were walking in. Right? Similarly, I would say the idea here is you have to understand there's no magic moment when your kid suddenly transforms from someone who is helpless and needs you to take care of them and set out their clothes and make their lunch and iron their stuff and make sure that their homework's done into someone who can go have a job and move on in life. And It doesn't transition like that. It's a progressive thing. And the progression is meant to be As they can do it for themselves, they should do it for themselves. Make sense? Growing up is what someone used to have to do for me because I couldn't do it. Now I can do for myself and I'm going to do it for myself. The goal of parenting is way bigger than just my kid being safe or my kid surviving. I hope that you're you're way past, I hope my kid survives, right? (laughs) Right? But sometimes that's how we act. Like, I just want my kid to be safe. No, what you really want is for your kid to be equipped to go on to life and handle life. That's the real question. If you think that the goal of parenting is to teach them that they always need to be safe, then what are they going to do when they go out into life and there are many unsafe things that they're called to step into? Have you taught them how to deal with that? Or have you taught them that they should just cower and hide because they're not able? What are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching them to grow up? Are we teaching them to stay infants? Many parents oversee their children and their parenting is based on their own sense of security or satisfaction. And their kids grow up convinced that they can't handle life. So let me just throw a couple things at you. Let's say your child comes home, you've got a third grader or whatever, and some kid is being mean to them at school. What do you do? Well, I go to school and I handle that kid. I go to the teacher and I make sure that they know. Have you considered that maybe they can handle it? Have you taught them that maybe they can handle it? Have you said to them, 
hey, guess what? This is going to happen all the time in your life. People are going to be mean. So maybe you got to figure out what you're going to do. What do you think you're going to do? Well, they're only third graders. And I don't want them to be upset. And they don't want their feelings to be hurt. Guess what? When you're an adult, do people stop hurting your feelings? At what point are you supposed to learn how to deal with people who hurt your feelings? Might I suggest to you when people start hurting your feelings, even if you're a third grader? I know this is crazy talk in today's world, but I'm telling you, this is where we get off track. How about an unfair teacher? You know, that teacher just doesn't like me. They give me bad grades and it's unfair. What do you tell your child? I'm going to go marching in. Well, that's, that's different. That's a teacher. And a, oh, really? Your child is never going to grow up in life and have someone over them who has more authority and power than them that does wrong things to them? They don't need to learn how to do that? Maybe they need to learn how to do that too. And I'm not saying there aren't times to step in, but I'm saying our default to step in without considering, is this maybe God at work in my child's life to teach them and train them for life? I can think back to a moment in my life when I was a senior in high school when the administration of the school did something to me, punished me, in a way that I thought was vastly unfair. I still think it's unfair. I'm still a little bit bitter about it. <laughs> and, and we campaigned. Like, you go, hey, let's deal with this. Let's, let's talk about this. And the decision didn't change, and the decision didn't change. And at the end of it, the, the pa- our, our pastor said to, to my dad, and my dad then related to me, he said, you know, I feel like this is a place where God is just doing this, letting this happen in Mark's life for what God wants to do in Mark's life down the road. That maybe it's not about this situation. Maybe it's about how, learning how to deal with this genre of situation. When someone says something about you that's unfair, that's untrue, that falsely accuses you, that defi- maybe it's about that. And maybe Mark needs to learn here as a senior in high school so that he's ready for the things. And I can't tell you how many times in my life, in my adult life, that I've looked back to that moment. Because I had a decision to make about how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to this. Am I going to go talk to all my classmates about how wrong and how unfair this is? Or am I going to say, you know what? I trust the Lord. And I'm going to be okay with it. And they got to deal with their stuff because that's theirs. I'm just going to go forward. I'm going to trust the Lord with this. I'm saying to you, how many times does maybe God bring that into the life of your child to teach them something and we just want to go fix it? Maybe when your child blows it, when they, they, they make a little mistake or they make a huge mistake, do they know that they can face it? Do they know how to deal with failure? Do they know how to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, can you help me, show me, lead me? Do they know how to give their life to Him? Well, they're only little kids. Well, they're only teenagers. Well, they're just having fun. Well, I'm sure that will be of some solace to you when they're 25 and 30 and still don't know how to do that. And think that you need to fix it or think that everybody else is to blame. What Paul says here is, instead, speaking the truth in love. In other words, when in, in the church, the way we grow up is we start to face reality. We start to deal with reality. We speak the truth in love. Parenting, the whole concept of parenting, depends on the idea that those with much more life experience, i.e. mom and dad, put that together with unquestioning love for the child... And we speak the truth to them. 
because we care about them. That's the whole premise of parenting right there, isn't it? Somebody in your child's life has got to be for them enough and truthful with them enough to say the hard things to them. And if mom and dad won't do it, who are you waiting for to come in? Who's supposed to do that for you? That is supposed to be the process of growing up, meaning our kids need this and we are the ones who should give it to them. They become more and more ready to deal with their real world and so we should be able to have those hard conversations where my child recognizes the choices that they legitimately have and the consequences that come from those choices. Kids, this is how you grow up. You start to recognize that you have choices that you're going to make and that every choice you make has a consequence. And the consequence comes because of your choice. If you don't like the consequence, make a different choice. Where is this in our parenting that I allow my child to face? Well, I want to come in and rescue them. I want to let them know that they're not a failure or whatever. Listen, you can let them know they're not a failure. At the same time, let them face the consequences of their choices. That's part of parenting. Speak the truth to them in love. Because they're supposed to be growing past their weakness and their helplessness. They're gradually supposed to be able to do more and more things for themselves. When they start, we are completely caretakers. When we, as we grow, it moves to being coaches, right? And so this idea, and there are many negative caring ideas, you know, the rescuer parent, or no one can do anything without me, or no one can do anything right without me. You are sending messages to your children that are stunting their growth. If you're super mom, and everything in your home depends on you doing all of it, you're missing it, and you're killing yourself. You are supposed to be raising them progressively to take on the burden of their life with oversight, with accountability, but progressively to be taking on responsibility for their life because they are no longer naive and ignorant like they were when they were little kids. You learn over time, right? How did you learn? What did you learn from? Experience. How did you learn from your experience the most? When you blew it, right? I had a poster on the back of my door that said, uh, good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. You make mistakes. You face your mistakes. You learn how to face your mistakes, and then you learn not to make those mistakes. Hopefully. If you don't like the consequences, you decide to make a different choice, and you move on in life. Our role as parents is often to help them connect choice to consequence and to reassure them that they can and will figure it out that they aren't failures, that they're learning. So we have these conversations with them, conversations that recognize they have the choice for their life and we are going to let them have it. If I always take my experience and give it to my child so they have the right answer, what am I raising them to be? Kids, not adults. I need to take my experience and lend it to them, but I need to let them make the choice about what they're going to do with it. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, just because they can, they should. Well, our kids are always like, could you drop us off the mall? You know, I'm 10 years old. Could you drop us off the mall? We want to hang out with our friends. They're like, absolutely not. You do not have the experience. You do not have the, the know-how. And you do not have the capabilities within yourself at this age to handle that situation. Maybe when you're 25. 
But there were things that I said to them, 10 years old, you make the choice. And, and now, uh, you know, my last one's graduating from high school in a month or less than a month. I say, well, here's what I would do. What are you going to do? What do you think about it? Tell me what's going on. What, what, how, what's, what's happening in your head? What do you think? What do you feel? What do you want? What do you, where do you want to go? I'll tell you how I would get there. I would do it like this. How are you going to do it? I let them own what's theirs to own. And I think, without a doubt, that's the picture that Paul is leaning on here as he talks about how to grow people up in church, speaking the truth to them in love. Often the hardest part of being a parent is being still when I want to rush into action. To pick up the burden that God sent them to teach them and grow them and take it for them. As a matter of fact, some of the hardships that you'll see in your children's life are meant to do what they do for us. When you face hardship, what's God doing? He's inviting you to learn how to know and trust Him. And when hardships show up in your kid's life, He's inviting them to learn how to know and trust Him. And then, what's at stake? The the last verse, and I won't spend a lot of time because we're out of time, but I just want to touch on this. It says this, From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What's supposed to happen? We're supposed to grow up so that we can bear the weight of our own lives. So there's this infant, there's this growing up process, speaking the truth in love, and then there's this finished thing where every single one of us is able to carry the weight. Each part does its work. We are mature. And so in churches, the idea is God gave pastors and leaders to the, to the church body so that the body, everybody could grow up and everybody could do their work. Everybody could do the job that God created you to do in church. That's why God gave pastors. Not so that we would do all the work. And even as we've staffed here at, at Hope, we do it strategically so that we can support the body functioning together as a whole. That's what we try to do. So basically, the whole function of church rests on believers growing and maturing so they're able to serve, they're able to work. Our mission depends on the lost world, like the reaching the lost world depends on growing up, us growing up. And Paul uses the parenting idea to teach us that. So what's at stake? Listen, it is not love, it is not good parenting to do for our kids what they can and should do for themselves. And if there's tension for that for you, good. There should be. You as a parent don't have it all figured out either. You should be convinced that every single day you should get on your knees before God and say, God, teach me how to do this. And if you're a kid and you're like, I don't know what I can do for myself and I don't know if I can make the right decisions or not. Listen, that's what growing up is. Too many of people, if you're, if you're in grade school, you're in high school now, I'm telling you, there's a whole generation of kids who are scared to go face life right now. They're scared to get married. They're scared to choose a career because what their parents told them is unless you make it exactly right, it's going to be a catastrophe. It's not going to be a catastrophe. You're going to figure it out because God will be with you and you can hear from God and God can lead you just like God leads us. That's what it is. And I want that message passed on to our kids as they go. So I want my children to be ready to fulfill their created purpose progressively. I want them prepared socially, intellectually, and spiritually, and in every other way for the life God has created for them. So maybe 
Yeah, you want your, your child to feel loved? Maybe that's part of it. You want them to do well in school? Maybe that's part of it. You want them to fall in love and get married? Maybe that's part of it. But how they do those things is vital. Are they growing up? Have they progressively and appropriately taken on the weight of their lives? Are we speaking the truth in love to them? The reality of Jesus, the reality of how to live our faith, what matters and what doesn't. Are we telling them it's their choice and they can choose either way? Are we putting consequences in front of them so they can make a choice recognizing consequences? Ultimately, that's what Paul assumes is the natural process of parenting, that our children grow to be able to bear the weight of their own life and are ready to go fill their God-created purpose. Folks, parenting is not a feel-good exercise. I know on Mother's Day, some people get disappointed. You know, my kids didn't do enough for me. Parenting is not a feel-good exercise. Parenting is love. It is a faith-stretching process where I put their well-being ahead of my own. We need God to lead us in this. Ultimately, you need to remember, if you are brokenhearted about where your children are or worried to death about them, remember this one truth. You are not your child's savior. You are not your child's redeemer. There is one, but it's not you. And I would invite you to point them to him. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Where would your parenting look different if you thought the primary goal was to equip your children for the life they will soon step into as adults? What would look different about it? What priority, by the way, would you place on spiritual choices if you recognize that you're raising adults? Maybe you need to ask God to show you how to see what work belongs to your children even right now. Even right now.